Hello, I'm Mr. Movies of the Famous. Hello, I'm Mr. Movies of the Famous Film Twitter.com, and this is the Mr. Movies Podcast. series of crimes in America. All right, so, Jesse, you made me watch one of the most disgusting movies I've seen ever. Good. Uh, It is... um, my God. Uh, so the more that I've learned about this movie, I, I, it, it's described as like foundational hillbilly horror, which is one of like the funniest sentences I've read. Um, I remember reading an article that called this the most influential movie for any genre ever made. And at, at first watch through, I thought that was stupid. I was like, there's no way this is just like some dumb horror movie. Then the more I looked into it, the more I'm actually convinced this may be one of the best movies ever made. And I mean that seriously. I'm not just doing it to jerk you off because I know this is your favorite. So I needs to. <laughs> Please, I'm begging you. I probably should have introduced you. Uh, who, who are you? I ask the same question every day. Uh, my name is Jesse. I've known Mr. Movies for quite some time now. Say 25 years, something, probably? Something of that effect, 25, 24 years. <laughs> and uh, I'm also a host of the Man of Dorks podcast, where you can find a single episode of a podcast <laughs> that no one's listened to about Magic the Gathering, which no one cares about. Thank you. You said that uh, the only episode you have is from a year ago? Yeah, it's about a year ago, so if you want to know what the meta was like about a year ago, you can find all about it at the Mandatorx Podcast, Uh, but I appreciate you having me over here. Uh, I love you very much, and I support the podcast myself, so it's good to be here talking about one of my favorite movies. (laughs) I love your professional podcasting voice. Thank you. We watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's right, baby. Just as terrifying as being there. Even if one of them survives, what will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. So, uh, as far as um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre goes, um, I would argue not too much plot to this movie at all. I think that... It that the, what, what's important about it, and we were talking about this off mic, is that the movie did two things. One of which I definitely knew, and two that you told me about that we're going to be going through as we do a plot recap. Which is this movie like set the foundation for all horror. Period. It set the tropes that were widely abused that uh, you know famously get made fun of in movies like Scream, but. More importantly than that, this apparently was like a much deeper allegory that the second that I actually air quotes watched it a second time, I'm going to put that in air quotes, we did not watch it a second time, there was no audio in the copy that I had. Man, I was such, I dubbed that movie so good. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're making our own flesh slaps. Yeah. The, the, the allegory that it has is actually incredibly powerful. It, it, it's, it's stunning uh, when you were kind of like walking me through it. And as we do the plot recap, please like interrupt me. Tell me uh, ev- ev- everything that this actually stood for. Yeah, this movie uh, has been a favorite of mine for a long time, and I definitely, uh, I definitely can agree with you. On a first watch through, if you don't know anything about the movie and you watch it for the first time all the way through, you end up just saying this movie's stupid. There's like I can sum this movie up in a complete nutshell, which you can. It is just a bunch of teenage strangers walking across or driving across uh, this empty, you know, Texas, finding hillbillies. Hillbillies don't like it. Kill them. The end. However, at a second glance, and with maybe some influential talking, um, there is a lot more to this movie than meets the eye. Yeah, and I think that that is as good of a point as any to kind of like walk through, do the general plot recap, but the plot recap is less about like, damn, can you believe this person died via hammer as well? Right. And much more the really brilliantly uh, strung together allegory that uh, I hope you guys feel the way that I did when he brought it up. So the movie opens up, classic title crawl. This is how every single movie worth watching in the 70s starts. Um, it does the, the classic, like, this is based on a true story. And, you know, uh, the Law and Order. In 1974, uh, a band full of strangers. That's pretty much how it starts. Um, fun fact, the guy who actually narrated uh, the 1974 version also did the narration for the 2000 version. Just- this... It uh, also uses, like, a term that I haven't seen in a while, which is a uh, invalid brother. Like, this yeah. is, like, feudal England. <laughs> like, Someone like, really does not like their brother. Which is a very funny allegory for, like, the fact that, like, the main characters in this movie are hippies. And right. uh, listeners, the beautiful viewers of the Mr. Movies podcast, will know how I feel about hippies. <laughs> I think that the hippies hijack something beautiful and ruin something that could have been transformative. And there's nothing better than using feudal references for, uh, like, familial relations than the bourgeois class pretending to be working class for, I don't know, a couple weeks. Yeah, what's really funny is if you actually look at every all the characters there inside the van, there's only one guy who actually looks very hippie-ish, but there's supposed to be implied a bunch of, a bunch of crazy pot-smoking hippies on in Texas in a van. But only one guy actually looks that way. Yeah. Um, the rest look like extra characters from, like, Home Improvement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Specifically Kirk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kirk, like, literally looks like Al. Yeah, Kirk looks like he always has a sweaty back. You know? <laughs> this carries us through to a trope that you were telling me about, which is the, uh, it, I mean, it was like a new trope at the time, which is literally like crime scene photographs synced up with the old-timey camera. You, you know that, like, shutter with the dee? If I find the sound effect online, I'm throwing it in here. You guys know what I'm talking about. Right, the flash, the the squeak. Um, and then since it's only a flash, you only get a glimpse of what it actually shows. And because, again, something in this movie you'll find out that does uh, does this a whole lot is that it implies there's something much worse than just that flash behind that flash, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that good old thing that I've been harping on for a year about, the implied violence. Which, yes. don't worry, you guys are going to be hearing that phrase maybe 30 times. <laughs> it happens a lot. <laughs> 
this then from you know here cuts to a uh, a piece that it, it, genuinely like like I'd, I'd argue the most upsetting part of the movie is like the grotesque skinned flesh body art of a uh, like a dead body blood and bone exposed with a pillar shoved in its ass yes <laughs> what what can only be described as a monolith of grotesque insensitivities if you would <laughs> um the movie really opens up after the title cards um and then the intro with everybody's name um you get this this creepy you know backing shot of this radio talking about how there's been a bunch of grave robberies and no one knows who it is who knows what they're for and as we back out we see this twisted obviously the grave robbers art on some gravestones um, fantastic shot all the way around. It sucks. It's so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry. For that's, me. that's like literally how I feel about this movie. Like if I had to give a rating, five stars. It sucks. It looks like Thank complete you. poop, but Lord, it does that poop real good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this then cuts to a dead armadillo, which you, 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 I, now I get why you were harping on about it when we were watching, which is like, no, this thing is dead, and it's a real armadillo. That's a real stuffed armadillo. That yeah. is. Right. That, that's not a prop. You really get the sense of you out in Texas now <laughs> when there's a dead armadillo out on the, you know, the blazing concrete. Like Bucky's styrofoam cup shoved on the head. <laughs> Some... There is a Bucky's logo everywhere. <laughs> Um, the, the whole point of this, uh, one, is to uh, kind of like prepare us for the grand allegory that this uh, movie makes. I don't know if it's an allegory. It's re really, it's the whole point of the movie. It's the metaphor that it's um, gearing us up for. But um, more importantly, it's hot as shit. Th th that looks like the worst time filming. Yes, our cinem cinematographer did a fantastic job of just showing us exactly how fucking hot and desolate it is out in Texas. <laughs> Like, you are out there, it's just you and the road in this desolate heat that's just killing everyone. Yeah, the sound design of this is really cool, too, because uh, if, if you're from the south like we are, uh, there's, like, that loud cicada or palmetto bug hiss that, like, you just associate with summer, which th that may actually end up being the ambiance I go with in this episode. Right. Um, so... The, the the reason why this is so important, uh, the heat specifically being used in cinema, is it's a really, really good tool for building tension. Because uh, the, the, the issue with horror movies, and what's so hard about horror movies, is a truly good horror movie will... Not every single one of them, but like one that it will be regarded really highly, will be everyday people being pushed to their limits and as the movie goes on they become more insane usually succumbing to the monster or becoming it themselves or surviving it and then you know having a part of them damaged and the easiest way to show the irrationality of decision making literally just make it hot right and it is a real crime statistic that there is more violent crime when it gets hotter. The hotter it really? gets, yes, that is a real statistical uh, violent crime fact that you can share at the bar with your friends. Um, <laughs> You're just completely ruining the mood. Yeah, by going. yeah, it's like, hey guys, it's so hot. You guys want to know what also happens when it's hot? More murder. <laughs> yeah, more killings happen when it's hot than when it's cold. And you can look it up, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, we, we get our uh, merry gang of travelers here. Uh, you know, just like typical hippie shit. Uh, you know, rich yuppies pretending to be laymen. Um, we have, like, the classic hippie man. We have Zodiac Girl. And most importantly, we have a uh, man in a wheelchair who takes tumble down the hill while pee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Frank... Uh, one of the family members is bound to a wheelchair, and he's bound to a wheelchair old 1970s style. You yeah. Know? He doesn't have a cool hover around. My man got to push and, and stop himself everywhere he goes. And uh, there's a great scene where Frank's got to pee. Poor guy. Poor guy. So they get these little ramps out for him, these old the, the big pieces of 2 Super by 4 Super accommodating. Yeah, actually very nice. They open the door on the side of the highway. They put the ramps down. Frank comes out. He's taking his pee, and... Of all things that spooks them for this, you know, sets you up for this movie, uh, Semi drives by really loud, I guess. Yeah. And it it's, scares, it's like rolling coal, too. Yeah, it's, it scares Kirk, and it scares Frank, more importantly. And when it scares <laughs> Frank, he lets go of his wheelchair, and when he lets go of his wheelchair, he go downhill. He go downhill while pee. <laughs> he go down, yeah, he, for someone who is peeing, his pants are very zipped. Yeah. Uh, but he goes at the bottom of this hill, I'm assuming covered in his own urine. <laughs> Uh, in grass, Kurt comes up and, and helps him up. I do want to comfort him just really quick by saying, Whom among us? Whom among us? They uh, roll up on some townies, you know, just kind of like parked off on the side of the road. Just this is typical South stuff. This is old South stuff. This doesn't really exist anymore because um, a, a lot of these cities, uh, people have just kind of moved away from. They're like all ghost towns now. But uh, I remember, like, growing up, every now and then we'd be driving out towards, like, where I live. <laughs> just see just some southern guys standing on the side of the road. People stand next to their trucks and eat peanuts, guys. It does really happen like that. Yeah. It is true. If you're out there in the boons of Clayton or Florida, people really Clayton. do that. Jesus Christ. Clayton, <laughs> Clayton Georgia. Shout out to Clayton, Georgia. <laughs> Um, they roll up on these townies, um, and we get like a classic character, which I mean now is beaten to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean at the time, pretty cutting edge, at least for like Western cinema, which is the the brilliant fool uh, uh, caricature. Yes. Which in this case is the town drunkard, who essentially lays out everyone's fate. Um, it's you know preaching that their doom is near. And of like always, every single one of these brilliant fool characters, they are laughed off because ultimately it's it's a horror movie, baby. We love the seventies. He is a drunkard, so do we take him at his word? Is he just a fool on the side of the road, or is he really spitting facts? And he, to be honest with you, in this movie, it's great because he truly do be doing both. Morning, officers there discovered what appeared to be a grisly work of art: the remains of a badly decomposed body wired to a large monument. A second body was found in a ditch near the perimeter of the cemetery. Subsequent investigation has revealed at least a dozen empty crypts, and it's feared more will turn up as the probe continues. Deputies report that in some instances, only parts of a corpse had been removed. The head, or in some cases, the extremities removed, the remainder of the corpse left intact. After this, you know, whatever they talked about, I don't know, our audio was cut out, I can't remember. (laughs) We we end up... um, Passing by a cow meat processing plant, yes, yes, and this do. is Huge where, scene. yeah, this is. Pro- it's not the most famous scene, but I'd, I'd argue probably the most important scene. It's in the a movie. very, very meaningful scene, right? Yeah, and um, so, so the meat plant itself, uh, literally, th- there's a reason it's here. Uh, th- this obviously is a staple of rural America. 
we as Americans, we eat meat like crazy. We eat cattle. Yeah, we, we, we eat cattle, we eat chicken, and it, it's in gross excess. But that like literally is the point. And um, Jesse, why, 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 why'd they show us these cow plants? They showed us these cow plants and talked about these cow plants because it all ends up this movie is a fantastic allegory about the meat industry as a whole. I'm not going to sit here and preach about what I think about the meat industry, but I will just say about what the movie was saying about the meat industry. If you um, have ever seen this movie, you know the manner in which people get killed, how they're killed, and how, uh, as we come up on, you know, recording this, when we come up on those times of when people are killed and the manner they are killed, is a eerie, eerie similarity of how animals are treated in the meat industry. Um, from violent beatings to meat hooks, uh, they suffer it. And um, this movie does a, a great job of kind of, you know, instead of turning that on the animal, it's time to turn this on some people. Yeah, and like truly great film work will usually uh, make these connections in ways that don't feel uh, like ham-fisted. Because I, I, think, I think that subtlety is, I mean, I've, I've talked about this on the show before, but like subtlety is vastly overrated whenever it comes to cinema. You don't want your point being misconstrued. The stuff that's like cool to have misconstrued will be like, where do you, what city do you think she's from? Ooh. Her accent's a bit West Coast, or is it Midwest? <laughs> I've heard that before. Yeah, exactly. Oh, is, is that a Phoenix drawl? But we, but like you don't want the meaning of your movie to be uh, misconstrued. Right. So with this, you know, on on your first watch of the movie, you will, it's it's just gross horror, and you will you will probably leave it the same way that I did, where I'm just like, yep, no clue why that's your favorite movie, Jesse. Probably should put you on a list. <laughs> but like now, I can't fly anymore. <laughs> now, now, now I get it. You really should be like upfront with your beliefs. I was vegan for like three and a half years. You were vegan for About a couple six. years, yes. So like, I mean, even now, like I don't really eat meat. I guess I like eat fish, but I mean, like even like beyond that, like the director's intent for this movie is ultimately it's personalizing the pain that they go through. Right, and I I have uh, watched many interview. There are plenty of people in the industry who uh, will can't this to you that watching 1974's Texas Chainsaw Massacre of all things influence their move into vegetarianism and um, again I'm not going to preach about what I think about it or how great it is um, <laughs> uh, but the movie does a, a very sneaky w- a job of um, kind of first watch through guy chops up people who cares second watch through not being told this thing you the every little stream connects itself to every action and it's really crazy that's why it's one of my favorites as they pass by this cow processing plant they pick up what would probably be called like the local insane person if you like are like being really insensitive about it um uh, you know like a guy with a big grin covered in blood you know classic oh god you let the monster in the house kind of character uh, archetype you know there really is like it's a horror staple um they cement this guy as insane by having him behave like a schizophrenic fool which i'm like sorry for the term but there's a reason why i'm using that term yeah um because you were telling me like before this that actor literally based his behaviors off of a schizophrenic family member right yes so he has an actual schizophrenic uh family member i believe it's his cousin that he modeled the behavior and movements after but was did a great job of also clarifying that um even though this in the movie he's betrayed as a crazy, violent person, um, 99% of the time these people are actually end up being the victims of the violence versus the yeah. people actually perpetrating it. 
Almost always. Yeah. Almost always. Uh, but yes, they end up picking up a crazy hitchhiker who has yeah. this crazy sack. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. One knows, no one knows what's in his sack. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's it's like weirdly almost like Native American in design. They, they, he, they pick him up and he's got this yeah. red weird stain on his face. And he's all kooky, and they thought, you know, just trying to be nice. Again, this is the 70s. Hitchhiking is, you know, they see hitchhiking differently in the 70s than we it's do probably now. probably why they had so many serial killers now that it, I'm thinking about serial, it. Yeah, we're not going to get into the true grand stuff there, but uh, <laughs> even though I did that at the beginning. Anyway, um, yeah, he's, a, he, he, you know, he's frantic, and he's wild, and the camera does a great job of really picking that up where it pans to him just smiling all crazy and saying some dumb weird shit and it pans back to our teenagers in the van who are just very uncomfortable with him <laughs> wondering why disco steve had to stop and let this guy up disco <laughs> steve uh, the movie does a good job of showing how uncomfortable they are with this hitchhiker in the van he, he, he does like typical erratic behavior because you have to paint him not only as like mentally ill but also like a dangerous fool talking to himself but not about good stuff yeah cutting someone with a razor cutting himself with a razor ends up yeah he takes out of his sack uh, a camera and ends up taking a picture of them and goes oh this is such a nice photo you guys want to buy this photo they go no you fucking weirdo we don't want your photo <laughs> and he goes oh all right well that's tight watch this and then he ends up burning the photo in front of the teenagers inside a moving van mind you where like everything 100 degree heat. yeah where everything is flammable just you know just looking at it and then ends up taking a knife cutting his own hand taking out another blade a straight razor shaving straight razor ends up cutting franklin our wheelchair bound <laughs> Weirded out by this, naturally. As it, I would hope you would be. <laughs> they go to the, uh, like, Lone Town gas station to fuel up. You know, kind of like get the talk of the town and mostly to report the guy who just stabbed their wheelchair bound friend. Right, right. They end up booting him out and, you know, I would hope you would boot him out. And then, of course, coming across this gas station, they're like, yo, we should probably say something about this. Help your wound. Maybe help ourselves. And they meet very, someone very special there at the gas station. Yeah, we meet a sheriff, which um, he does exactly what a cop would do in this situation all throughout this movie, which is uh, take something that's bad and make it much worse. Right. <laughs> um, don't worry. Which he does multiple times in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things are real bad because, you know, like this gas station's out of gas. But lucky for them, they did have barbecue. Um, the kind of they building bet. on that whole meat argument the movie's been making of like, yeah, man, we don't have our essentials, but we'd always have a surplus of meat. Right. And if you think, you know, especially if you were to watch this movie for the first time, Texas Chainsaw, Bar you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you see Leatherface, what do, you know, there's bar unnamed barbecue meat, what do you think it is? Oh, there's grave oh, robberies. Point, yeah. What do you think that barbecue is made out of? After this, they stop at the old family house. Uh, typical hippie stuff. Yeah. You know, reclaiming their childhood while we get a tour of a house that is 
very much not wheelchair compliant, which is a no growth. Um, A real sad glimpse of the current state of things, but luckily our wheelchair bound friend gets to blow off some steam. blowing a raspberry to the sky (laughs) yes and does the 1974 thing when you're frustrated blow raspberries into the sky where no one can hear you just a bunch of (laughs) just a whole so funny just a whole bunch of that for no reason people do the classic split up in a horror movie technique uh, which is good storytelling in a movie about poor decision making having consequences right uh the first look of this is at our hippie couple uh, like they think they find things like a tooth on the ground that has a filling in it, implying that it's a human. Um, and more importantly, as they break and enter into a house, see a, like a grandiose amount of animal hides and skulls on like the walls of of a house. I really want to reiterate that they broke and entered into. Right. Yes. Uh... Kirk and Lee Stacy go walking off on their own throughout the house. They fall down this goofy hill where they come across a, 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 where they come across a hill and see this house up on the hill. And maybe this house has got people in it that may help us. So they end up going to the house. Random human tooth on the porch. I never got it. Um, but they pick up put, uh, tooth, put it in Stacy's hand. Stacy goes, oh, I don't want any part of this. Walks off to which. Kirk then knocks on the door, and the door is unlocked and just so happens to be open. So Kirk, using his gigantic brain, <laughs> decides that he should go into this house that's not his. Yeah, and this is where we get the first kill of the movie. My um, favorite kill. Yeah, which is uh, Kirk getting his, his noodle bopped. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He trips through the doorway, and that's where we get our first glimpse of Leatherface. Yes. Classic uh, horror villain for the first time. And um, you were talking about, like, this kill was done this gruesome on purpose. Yeah, so there. Uh, this this has got to be my personally fa- personal favorite scene in this movie. Kirk knocks on the door. Door opens. He walks in and just so happens to trip through a doorway where Leatherface just so happens to be with a meat mallet, and he ends up hitting Kirk right on top of the dome, just making the nastiest wettest sound Hollowest, like just nasty yeah just if you would think of if i were to murder somebody what does that sound like it sounds just like that this would have been a really great time for you to like kill me with a hammer like, right, it sounds right. like this sounds like this whack 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 exactly and you're like oh shit how do i, export I don't do this that, audio file so he knocks him right there on the noodle and you know when he knocks him right there on the noodle kirk actually doesn't die on the first whack Kirk actually ends up spasming, and uh, I'll talk about that here in a second, where Leatherface gives him another bop on his noodle, end up, pa- you know, he ends up, I assume, dying or passing out, um, and then just this amazing shot of Leatherface dragging the body behind this threshold and slamming this big metal door very quickly to where we don't know what happens to Kirk. Well, we'll find out later, but great shot. His girlfriend hearing this does the classic go in after hearing a noise move which i think scream made fun of probably so. you know if, if you like hear something don't follow it right um she stumbles into what you were calling the art room 
which is like covered in feathers and bone art. You you were saying this was actually modeled after something real, which yes. is upsetting. So I'm sure if, if you're even remotely close to a fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you would know that a lot of this movie's um, horrors are actually modeled after a real-life event, uh, the murderer Ed Gein, um, who ended up skinning and grave robbing um, people would wear skin, and the room that she ends up stumbling into was actually modeled off after real crime scene photos of the Ed Gein home. She, uh, I, I, I think she was justified in being spooked by this. A little bit. <laughs> I think anyone would. Uh, she ends up running out. Leatherface finds her, grabs her, and jams her on a meat hook. Yes. Which is, with none of the violence showed, being the big thing. Right. Uh, he had a great scene of her running out of the house and the camera sitting right there on the porch. And Leatherface, of course, being Leatherface, he snatches her, drags her back in the home. And this awesome shot of the camera, not focused on this meat hook, but obviously this meat hook very large in, in the scene. And him... Take carrying her towards this meat hook, so you already get the feeling that someone's about to get strung up like beef, and that sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, and and again, this this is that thing that I've been harping on about for I think a year now, which is um the implied violence will always be more effective than showing it, right? Because it it does two things. One, your brain will come up with something worse than they can physically show you every time. But the other thing is, your brain also tailors the stuff to what you find terrifying. Right. Which will make every scene effective, no matter what. Exactly. What what I interpret being, like, truly horrifying about the scene is going to be different than what you interpret about it. Right. It's really clever directing if you're going to be making a truly violent spectacle of a movie, because it makes literally everyone the target audience for it. I'm specifically upsetting you. Right. And what's great is because it didn't go through the practical effect of showing her hanging on a meat hook, great budget saver. Yeah. You don't actually have to show it. So, you know, great way to save on money as well as what's the most terrifying thing. And only you know what's most terrifying to you. Oh, speaking of, uh, right after this, she's forced to see her boyfriend get chainsawed to death while on the meat <laughs> yes, hook. Yes, she's on the meat hook watching Kirk get chainsawed up by Leatherface in the full get up and everything. I don't think it gets much scarier. One new episode a week. Wow! 
what a deal! That that's good, and I'm I should subscribe. Goodbye. You should go to Patreon.com/MrMovies now to start your subscription today. Where did he go? Did you seriously leave me? There's a train coming, sir. There's more classic horror tropes um, being forged in this movie here. Uh, The separation trope being the biggest. Never, ever, ever separate. Please, don't do that. That's the worst. He's on his home turf. He's got advantage. Right. You're in his home, mind you. (laughs) Again, I want to stress this because Mr. Movies made a great point again. They came into someone else's home. (laughs) They're in the Sawyer home. They are not in their home. I'm imagining a super uh, conservative Supreme Court ruling that this falls under standard ground law. This is Castle Law, the movie. <laughs> this is this is how you justify murder on every level. Kirk did break in, and everyone walked in after him. So yeah. we uh, get this one guy, you know, hippie number nine, um, you know, uh, being more utilized as a vehicle of anguish of torture. Specifically, we see our girl who was strung up on the meat hook in the freezer. Right. It's our first big jump scare of the movie. And again, we never see her again, so she probably did end up dying in there, unfortunately. Yep. She pops out of the freezer, booga I'm in a freezer, and Leatherface get back in that freezer. And then she does, and then we never see her again. So I'm just going to safely assume she probably died in that freezer. Yeah, and... if if we could go big brain mode for just a second this probably was like another one of those clever metaphors for our meat consumption maybe how many pounds of meat people buy that just get stuck in a freezer that ultimately dies there right oh never we never saw her again we never even got the inference that she was cooked or tortured or whatever she ended up just staying in that freezer yeah frankie and hippie lady number two are the last remaining of this group and they're out and about where they get found by Leatherface, which kicks off what I would call a two-and-a-half-hour chase sequence. <laughs> you know how this goes. Um, you know, we're, we're following them on all aspects of this property. It's classic horror stuff. You know, running through the woods, you hear the crumble of leaves. You know people aren't typically out here. chainsaws revving in the background. Yeah, cutting through doors. Chainsaws just are, uh, you know, Leatherface just ooga-booga screaming. And... <laughs> we stumble upon my favorite character of the movie, which... Um, I think is Joe Biden. <laughs> Who's this supposed to be? Oh, Joe Biden. That is Grandpa Sawyer. That is <laughs> old grand- vampire. So he is a vampire. He's 120 something years old. I apologize for not knowing the exact number. He's 120 something years old. Doesn't look a day over 110. And <laughs> and um lives on blood and we turn it turns out that for grandpa sawyer to keep living the sawyer family needs to find more blood and you'll never guess who's got blood in this house yeah (laughs) (laughs) i wish that god that's just like so funny that that'd be like such a good like uh, do you remember like the early 2000s when there was like the disney trailers where it'd be like coming soon on dvd and there's like that one guy who'd be like (laughs) Grandpa Sawyer needs blood. Where's he gonna get it? 
Yeah, flick doorpost, you know, doing, you know. <laughs> with shocked hippie girl face. I've got so much blood, I don't know what to do with it. Right, right, right. Oh, and, my uh, veins are so puffy. So we, so we end up, now we know exactly why the Sawyer family wants these people so much. Not necessarily for cutting them up and barbecue and whatnot, which they may do as well. These these uh, unfortunate teenagers who have broken to the Sawyer home just so happen to have blood. Yeah. She manages to escape this, because, I mean, again, the guy is, as uh, the guy, like, knew slavery. He's, like, that old. Oh, yeah, so we get no, to... No, no, he, he knew, like, he, by, like, by the logic of the movie, he was born in 1850. So, so after this, she manages to escape, because, I mean, this dude's as old as dust. He, he's not gonna grab you. He, yeah. He can't even grab things, as we'll find out later on. And, um, you know, this kicks off what I would call... Two and a half hour chase scene part two. <laughs> where, yeah, um, kill, you know, the Benny yeah. Hill music starts going off and she ends up running off again. They're going in and out of doors in a hallway. Right, right. And she's chasing him and he's chasing her. He's dressed up like a policeman. <laughs> they run in a circle for a second and leave. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They, she ends up making her way back to the gas station. And here we we get the salvation, right, Jesse? There's a sheriff there, so everything is, is all better. Yep, everyone's favorite, Mr. Policeman, just so happens to be their old sheriff gas station tenants there that we met earlier who sold them the barbecue. Um, he, he ends up doing whatever a cop does. Uh, Mr. Movie, what does he do? Um makes things way worse Whoa. for women who are trying to escape a male abuser. That's um, exactly what happens. That's, that's like literally exactly what happens. What happens. Yeah. And by God, do they have a fucking track record of that? Yeah. Um, he ties her up and literally just I'll drags save. her back to... Yeah. He goes, the... I'll save you. Bop. And then <laughs> let me tie you up real quick, put you in my truck, and you'll never guess where we're going. <laughs> the gang is going where? Somebody... <laughs> God, I want that trailer so yeah. bad. Always um, studying Philadelphia style, you know, the gang ends up back at the house. <laughs> yeah. Guys, we won't be eaten by hillbillies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. The meant. gang gets eaten by hillbillies. Again, yeah. Um, the sheriff drives her back to the house, obviously, where we finally see the whole family assembled. And um, wouldn't you know it, it is every character that these um, these vagabonds had, like, run into. You know, the, uh, I'm, I'm sorry for using these terms. I'm using the terms they'd probably have used in the movie. The schizophrenic fool, the you know, sheriff, the yeah, the, sheriff, and Leatherface, and most importantly, Joe Biden. <laughs> yes. And this, Joe Biden in the movie. this scene you were telling me is probably your favorite movie scene ever. Yes, out of all, all movies, I know that the first kill on Kirk has got to be my favorite scene of this movie, but my favorite scene of all movies ever put on film has got to be the dinner scene. Um, it is disgusting. It is grotesque. It is just the top of the top. The And mind you, this is 1974 when this comes out. We aren't in the age of being able to be on live leak and see you know people being murdered or executed on a whim and never think about it ever again this is 1974 yeah like taxi driver had like just come out which is like the most the, the biggest gross spectacle of violence that we'd seen um released on moss to people and um th this this kind of falls into that groove of john waters cinema 
which I really want to do an episode about John Waters. I think that he is like one of the like great directing minds because he's so disgusting. But it was like the what they were always fundamentally at odds with the blockbuster movie system because the blockbuster movie system had always straight relationships. They were always white. They all everything went you know well for them. If there was a murder, it was always solved, and all ends were tied up. But in John Waters cinema, in this like underground world of cinema, what they had to differentiate themselves from these, uh, you know, your Casablancas, your Citizen Canes, was the gross spectacle of violence. And I genuinely believe Texas Chainsaw Massacre as being like the last great hurrah of this like underground, cheap, low budget horror that doesn't go into the spectacle of like this grandiose violence that is extremely hard to fathom and like deeply upsetting to even like think about because you were telling me that there were like literally movies that just use straight up like footage from like unit 731 and like embalming bodies yeah well you know the time of uh cinema at that you know and in that era you know we were starting to really see in again, especially this scene in particular, really pushes home the depravity level from, like, 25% just seeing Leatherface with someone else's skin on, which is already, you know, fucked up. Gross enough Gross enough on its own. But we end up just waking, you know, just exactly seeing exactly how awful the Sawyer home is. In In a single freeze frame, I can point out everything from a a human face chandelier above the dinner table a skeleton with a light bulb in its chest in the corner as a lamp they're all sitting on bone furniture the Leather- implied um human meat that's right, going to be for dinner that's just probably her friends right that may have been kirk that had yeah. been chopped up with the chainsaw earlier there's just random uh, nameless meat on this table and everyone's having a ball except for her obviously even Leatherface got dressed up for the occasion in his the, the famous lady outfit with the white foundation skin, the blue powdered eyes, and the red messy lipstick dressed up in a suit that's too small for him. It really pushes home the insanity of exactly where you are. Yeah, and what 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 I love about this scene, and I, I, I'm putting love in the biggest air quotes physically possible, um it it really the, the the argument that the dinner scene makes to me is what one i mean it's obviously it's there to shock you it's there to horrify right. you this is the payoff of the movie every horror never movie seen. yeah every horror movie like like now these like crystal clean squeaky horror movies the grand payoff of the movie is usually them beating the monster right um the payoff of this movie is very much like no you're in the belly of the beast right you know and um the, what the the argument that i ended up seeing with this you know like the more that we talked about this is um you know so so yes it's disgusting right it's it's human bodies it's you know the the bone furniture the the table mats Face are like made yeah chandelier yeah. yeah but if you think about it you know from the director's point of view this like a, a, presumably like an animal rights activist probably like an animal liberation um person i i don't know what they're called sorry uh but like it's it's almost like an argument for like how much of the stuff that we use every day is just animal products i guarantee you with anybody who's listening to this podcast right now within one feet of you or one foot of you there's going to be something made with pig 
There's going to be some sort of, yeah, some sort of boar hair, some sort of byproduct of fat with it. If you brush your teeth with like any normal toothpaste, uh, there may be tallow in that. Like, it's insane how prevalent meat is and everything. In this scene here, as depraved as it is, to a person who believes in like animal liberation, which I'm saying the director does, we're not pushing any beliefs, we're just talking his... His vision what is shown on film is probably that disgusting to him, right? And I imagine this scene, like as horrifying as it is for us, probably even worse for somebody who's been fighting for animal liberation. I assume most of their life, right? And it really pushes home as if if you see, if I go to somebody's home and they have a big cut off deer head mounted up on their wall, it's a little weird. I'm not saying that I, yeah, shouldn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in that too. Yeah, uh, this is Jesse's beliefs. I'm just going to put that out. Um, if I go to someone, if I come over to Mr. Movie's homes and he's got a 10-point butt hung up on his wall, oh, I shot this thing in so-and-so woods. I think it's just kind of gross that you just have this, first of all, you just have a hanging carcass in your... It's, it's a corpse. It yeah. is a hanging... It's, it's a desecrated corpse. It's a desecrated corpse. Yeah. I understand that there's beauty in that, but if sure. there if there is beauty in that, then why did we fucking kill it? All right, whatever. I'm not gonna stop right there. <laughs> no, it's fine. But d- 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 you go into the thing. It's... Do, do do the thing. But yeah, great scene. Uh, we'll we'll. Um, so we're at this dinner, this great dinner scene. Everyone's going crazy, and at the head of the table is our uh, teenage guest, and at the other end of our table we have Joe Biden, <laughs> um, just kind of looking dead. It's a banger joke. It gets right. me every I'm gonna, time. I'm gonna say it every time. I'm not gonna say Grandpa Sawyer anymore. <laughs> Um, so Joe Biden's chilling like a villain. Listen here, Jack. <laughs> they okay. took me down to the dinner table. They, they had this... Um, I'm going to do my Joe Biden face. They took me down to the dinner table. They fed me food, meat, so much meat in my hand. They, they m- Many men gathered meat, meat treats, dinners of all kinds, shapes, races, colors. All I can think about is... Grandpa Sawyer at the end of the table playing Despacito on his phone. You know, <laughs> to let all the Hispanics but. know that he's on their side. Yeah. Um, that's right. That's right. He, <laughs> he did that. Um, Listen, fat. That was my favorite Joe Biden yeah. moment. Listen here, Jack. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. So we end up with our, you know, Grandpa Sawyer. Everyone keeps talking about in the Sawyer family that Grandpa Sawyer is the greatest killer to ever have been. And uh, Grandpa needs blood now. It's time. We've walked up on that scene. Grandpa needs his blood. And when we, the Sawyer family gets all amped up to show off how good a killer Grandpa Sawyer is, a.k.a. Joe Biden, is ready for murder. So they grab a hammer. And from here, we, got, we, we, we get exactly what you'd expect. Is This guy is literally just like a corpse that's been kept alive based almost entirely off of prestige. Um, you could make some parallels to general Southern society with, um, you know, like, like there'll be like a decrepitly old person that moves into the home with you and you take care of them. And some people view those people as vampires because all they're doing is ruining the house. They are a succubus. Yeah. yeah, You, you could make that argument. I'm not saying that that's a thing that's ever happened to my family, but like, (laughs) but the, um, the scene here, uh, what, what's wild about it is like the, insistence on him doing it where they're like no let me help you hold the hammer to do this this guy isn't trying to do it it's it's a lot of it is the uh, it's almost like deflecting the responsibility of who's going to be doing the killing because that's ultimately what the meat industry is right 
it doesn't matter where my stuff came from. It's just that he did it. And if anything, like, like I'm, ju- I'm just eating an animal that died, right? But he did it. No, 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 he did it. No, wait, no, guys, come on. He did it. And it's, it's a lot of this, like, blame deflecting that, like, the more that you look into that, like, animal liberation point of view, the more that I see the scene, like, like, it's weird. It's goofy your first time watching it. But whenever you watch it through that lens of, like, uh, uh, the hyper-exploitation of animals that the director truly believes that, the so- like, American society is built on top of, you see a lot of it just... It's it's a very naked satire of it all, and it's gross and it's depraved because it needs to be right. And you know, they give Grandpa the hammer. Gra- you know, Joe Joe Biden can't hold this hammer. You know, he's a hundred twenty some years old and looks like he's made of dust. So that's right. And so, <laughs> hang on. So Joe Biden clearly cannot um, hold this hammer on his own. So Leatherface being the big bad, you know, I'm not going to say he's the bad guy because I have my own beliefs about the, that, the, what I'll, I'll talk about later. The, the muscle. The muscle. I'll say the muscle of the Sawyer family ends up kind of, you know, kind of doing it for her. But they have her leaned over this bucket, right, where the blood would drain out. And they end up, or let's should I say Leatherface ends up bopping her on the head twice, actually, and some blood does start to come out. However, in her absolute horrific days of abuse she actually ends up escaping out of the situation which is great i mean this this kind of plays into a horror trope that is probably the most beaten to death trope at this point i would argue um movies like even like modern horror movies that i think are like i wouldn't call it a masterpiece but like a a very good movie like it follows follows into this where the, the opening scene of that movie is like the girl running in the high heels it's this damsel in distress trope that like this movie really did, like, lay the groundwork for, where the the woman appears to be this completely dainty, um, vulnerable, um, obviously hyper-exploited person, but always manages to escape just barely. And this, yes, this is, like, a trope that's completely beaten into the ground, but I also think that it serves, like, a really almost cool, like, feminist uh, angle to it. Yeah. Where she, like, literally overpowered, like, men who were stronger than her, physically imposing her, and manages to get out. We didn't do it once. Yeah. We didn't do it twice. This is your third strike, Joe Biden. And listen, Jack. (laughs) Yeah, and I'll have you know, Jack. um, Yeah, it's wild how covered in blood 24 hours of just complete annihilation of your life besides death itself um still managed to overcome the sawyer family and run out another time yeah uh and which would thankfully enough for her be her final time running out yeah she gets saved by a semi-truck driver who just happened to be in the right place at the right time that's how a lot of these horror movies kind of um end is a very very happenstance type stuff which some people call an ex machina i don't think so i think that the way that stuff was thrown at these people is very much that it was just the wrong place at the wrong time so it makes sense if something that was the right place at the right time would save them right um the semi-truck driver saves her the true backbone of the american economy that's true uh, you know, saves him by, or saves her by effectively running Leatherface off the road, um, forcing him to cut himself with a chainsaw, which is pretty much the first gore we ever see in the movie. Yeah, so she ends up running out of the house, and both Leatherface and the hitchhiker are right behind her. Oh, you know, and in fact, hitchhiker cuts her a few times with the blade on the back while he's chasing her. 
and we end up running up onto the road where she ends up across. Uh, hitchhiker uh, looks, you know, deer in headlights. Here comes semi truck and squashes them like a bug right there on the road. I forgot about that. Yeah, and it's that part is incredibly gory. Um, it's upsetting, yeah. Yeah, because they show my man's really do be getting run over out there. <laughs> my I mean, man's really do be exploding. He, yeah, he do be popping. <laughs> um, he became road pizza pretty quick. <laughs> doesn't you know leatherface is still out there with the chainsaw doing his thing where uh, truck driver goes i'm gonna save this poor young lady covered in blood from the sky with a chainsaw ends up throwing something at leatherface hits him he ends up falling with the chainsaw and if you've ever held a chainsaw that's something you probably don't want to fall with in your hand while it's running and he ends up actually cutting his leg open where he grabs his leg and a big spurt of blood comes out and that is like you said one of the real big focus points of gore that you actually see versus you know just something in the distance yeah and you know this isn't the trucker that ends up saving her another guy in a truck ends up saving her <laughs> another guy in a truck ends up coming but not Which, just in mind the, the, the most classic scene in the south is everybody's driving trucks some guy has a 1970 chevy c10 you know yeah. this baby blue that they work on the farm with but they call betsy yeah it, what's weird is like seeing trucks that are this size because all we see now are like ford f-450s with yeah like... if you ain't got a dually and rolling coal your truck's small son yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gets saved by this guy where we get two iconic shots flashed two. back to back yeah. which is her bleeding in the truck bed laughing hysterically her mind is broken but she's alive she wins she yeah. is in the truck that's faster than leatherface can run and leatherface in a fit of rage and almost like kevin bacon like dances it out we get footloose in the street um, <laughs> he ends up out of frustration swinging his chainsaw in the sun uh, you know with the dawn rising over this cornfield out in the middle of hot texas and it's just a scene of of artistic expression out of frustration and uh violence that wasn't able to be perpetrated that's a good and, point yeah and he's swinging this chainsaw all around almost macabre macabre like dance with this chainsaw and it's goofy and it's silly but he's, he's like, yeah exactly he cut his leg he ran after this person who broke into his home mind you yeah. and they got away with it and they ended up killing his brother the hitchhiker and you almost feel kind of i don't i want to say feel bad for the face because my dude do be chopping up people with chainsaws and killing people but you in this couple of moments of him by himself swinging his chainsaw it helps me kind of reflect that he was part of this family he, the Sawyer family has to pray his way up. that's the way he was raised and obviously he's not all there um so you kind of almost reflect that Leatherface isn't really that quote-unquote the bad guy of this movie he's a victim of his circumstances right in, he, a, in a certain lens at least he was raised by these awful depraved disturbed individuals where he just ended up be growing to be six five and pure muscle and rage <laughs> and just ends up being a tool of the sawyer family it's the sawyer family who's truly bad it's just leatherface that gets all the attention and love which i ain't complaining about yeah. <laughs> 
from there, the credits roll, and that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Fuck. God, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely one of my favorite movies uh, of all time. It contains my favorite scene of all time and all cinematography. I'm not some movie person as much as Mr. Movies is, uh, but I've seen a few movies in my life, and I've got, I just the movie does so much for me. Everything from the the message of vegetarianism to to um, low budget horror to um, you know my introduction to gore and horror movies um you know being born in 92 i didn't get the pleasure of seeing these movies when they first came out when they were you know peak insanity but looking back on it i can imagine that if i was 15 years old in 1974 and texas chainsaw came out i would be absolutely terrified to ever go to Texas. <laughs> Which I think that's a really, really good note to go out on. Folks, we love Texas. Love them. But we're scared of you. <laughs> we just got a Bucky's in town. How cool is that? We did get a Bucky's. I need beaver nuggets. Oh, I need beaver nuggets. <laughs> Jesse, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Talking about, you know, literally like one of the most influential movies ever made. Anything you want to plug before we go out? Any specific YouTube channels you have me watch every single time you come over? <laughs> Any YouTube channels? Uh, I'd say a great resource that I got for a lot of this besides just watching the movie on my own is Dead Meat. Do a great uh, breakdown of every single kill and every single Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well as going with some BTS bits, some behind-the-scenes bits. Um, you can see the or listen to the man of dorks podcast on spotify all one episode of it <laughs> we get to hear me talk on an iphone for an hour and a half about nerdy stuff and become a patron of the mr movies podcast Hell yeah. this is my man right here i've grown up with my man <laughs> love him to death he, he works so goddamn hard um at his actual job not including this so please throw my man a bone I he's love poor you. I love He's him. He's poor. <laughs> He's poor. I've I've been supporting him for a quarter of a day since I was ten. Uh, <laughs> God bless you. Appreciate it. I want to thank you for that. I thought you were gonna plug everything is terrible. Oh, everything is terrible. dot com. <laughs> Memory hole. I mean, I get maybe that shows my kind of humor and what I think is funny or what I think is good is that I religiously watch everything is terrible 24 seven. So, which kind of fits into the like overall feeling of this movie being like a VHS tape that was on someone's snuff shelf. It's campy. It's weird. There's yelling. So, uh, what's the best way to go out to this episode? What, um, what, what ambiance? Ambiance. Uh, I've got to say, my favorite, t- uh, my favorite chainsaw has got to be the Husqvarna TX Model Six Sixty Five <laughs> with a forty-four inch, bl- you know, chain and blades sharp as diamonds. You can get the job done with the Husqvarna. <laughs> if I can find a YouTube review, we're going out on that. Jesse, thank you again, and um, listen to Manadorks. I love you. Well, hey there. I'm Daniel, the low budget outdoorsman. Today, I thought uh, since I know a little bit about chainsaws here, I would give those who are looking for a honest uh, explanation and review of two good firewood saws. Now I've got a couple of pro saws down there, 660 and a 462 uh, that are steels, but these two saws here, this uh, MS311 and this Husqvarna uh, 460 Rancher are both really good um, farm and ranch 